This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. On Money FM 89.3, The Washington Report with Nirmal Ghosh, U.S. Bureau Chief with The Straits Times. Well, last week, the U.S. President Joe Biden made his first international trip since he took power. He met world leaders at the G7 and NATO summits across Europe and had a one-on-one with the Russian President, Vladimir Putin. But back in the U.S., what's, what the analyst of diplomatic tour could be, did he manage to repair the damage done by years of hostility under Biden's predecessor, President Donald Trump? Meanwhile, the U.S. has also sent two and a half million COVID-19 vaccine doses to Taiwan. How might this rock U.S.-China tensions further? And finally, America has a new federal holiday called Juneteenth, which commemorates the emancipation of enslaved Americans, African Americans. How significant is this in the whole scheme of things for American history? Joining us now to give his analysis, Straits Times U.S. Bureau Chief Nirmal Ghosh. Normal. So last week, uh, President Joe Biden made his first international trip as president of the United States and met world leaders in Europe. What's been the biggest takeaway to this? And did he achieve his uh, main goal of signaling that America's closest allies, that he, America is again ready to lead the Western alliance after the tumultuous Trump years? Hi there. Good morning. Yes, you could say he did that. It was successful in repairing a relationship that had a lot of uncertainty injected into it under the previous administration. It was reassuring for NATO. The biggest takeaway was that the U.S. and its European allies, to a degree, coalesced in aligning against China. To a degree, because not all the European allies are enthusiastic about getting tough with China. Some have a very good relationship with China. But despite that, they did seem to come on board. And in fact, this is looking increasingly like a Western alliance against China, which is problematic on many fronts, not least that it divides the world into two blocks. The U.S. foreign policy view of the world has been called somewhat Manichaean. It's about good versus bad, with the U.S., of course, seeing itself as a force for good. This trend is concerning. A lot of, some analysts are beginning to write about this. The Europeans would rather be more nuanced. But yes, broadly, from the Western point of view, the U.S. is back and cementing relations with its allies. There's no doubt about that. But it is also important to keep in mind that the U.S. itself remains a bit precarious at home, precarious within. All right, uh, Nirmal. Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen tweeted that she's touched by the U.S. move to send two and a half million COVID-19 vaccine doses to Taiwan. How does this move, though, reiterate uh, U.S.-Taiwan relations and perhaps might dampen U.S.-China tensions even further? Well, you have part of the answer in that tweet. And quite obviously, this is a game of one-upmanship versus China. And where Taiwan is concerned, the U.S. is doing well with this. We had a tweet Mm -hmm. more recently from Xiao Bi Kim, who is Taiwan's representative in Washington, saying, and I quote, U.S. leadership in the global fight against COVID-19 is life-saving. Democracy delivers, unquote. And that feeds directly into this contest President Joe Biden has been talking about between democracies and autocracies and that democracies have to prove that they can deliver for their people. 
So it is certainly a major diplomatic move, bearing in mind that Taiwan said China was getting in the way of its vaccine deals. Mm -hmm. China said it had offered vaccines, but Taiwan has a law banning China-made medicine. So Taiwan was in a spot. It got vaccines from Japan earlier, and now this shipment from the United States. In the context of that global vaccine diplomacy, China has also provided a lot of vaccines to other countries. But what it gets in return, if anything, is not entirely clear. We do know China, for example, did not send vaccines to Paraguay because Paraguay is one of the few countries that recognizes Taiwan as a country. Right. So it is not clear what China expects in return for vaccines apart from its reputational credit, which translates into soft power. The U.S. has said it will provide vaccines with no strings attached. The Quad, which groups the U.S., Japan, Australia, and India, had promised vaccines to Southeast Asia, but India's COVID disaster, which is by no means over, put a spanner in that plan for the moment. But we can expect at some point the Quad will deliver. So this is all at one level a contest for influence and reputational credit. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Like us and rate us. And now back to our podcast episode. All right, Nirmal, I've been following this closely. Uh, the elections in Iran on Friday, again, elected, no surprises, a hardline judge. Uh, the Biden administration, though, wants to finalize a deal with Iran to return to the nuclear deal in uh, six weeks remaining before the new Iranian president is inaugurated. So with this new president in mind, how achievable will this be? Yes, so the logic is that the current hardline regime is best placed to make a deal with the U.S. and then the incoming regime will reap the benefit of lifting of sanctions and some degree of normalization of diplomatic relations that would accompany a return to the nuclear deal, and which, of course, would be welcomed around the region. India, for example, would like it because it would mean it can again buy cheaper Iranian oil. The incoming regime could be described as more moderate, though these labels are tricky and one should not fall into these sort of facile definitions that mask a lot of critical nuances and set one up for spectacular failures, as we have seen in the past. But assuming that is the case, it is better for a more hardline regime to do a deal with the U.S. and get away with offering some concession than for a more moderate regime to do it. That is the logic. There is a limited time window in which to do it, but everybody wants it. Everybody that is except the hardline pro-Israel right wing here in the U.S. Right. So President Biden will also have to show he got a significant concession from the Iranians. I think the chances of a deal have become a bit brighter, but as we know, all manner of things could happen to scupper it as well. So we'll just have to wait and see. Let's talk about this new federal holiday that was just declared in the U.S. June 10th. Uh, can you tell us the significance of this new national holiday? Yes, so Juneteenth celebrates the date when Union troops arrived in Galveston, Texas on June 19th, 1865, bringing news that the Emancipation Proclamation had freed slaves, the enslaved okay. population living in the Confederacy, but two years ago. So Abraham Lincoln had signed the Emancipation Proclamation two years previously, but it could not be enforced in many places until after the end of the Civil War in April that year, 1865. Two months after that, Confederate General Robert E. Lee surrendered and Union troops arrived in Galveston with news that the war had ended and the enslaved were now free. It's been a holiday in many states for some time, including in Texas, which was the first to make it a holiday. Mm -hmm. And there has been a long-running campaign to make it a federal holiday. So there's been much celebration here in D.C. There have been some fireworks. There's been a lot of partying. 
especially in the African-American community. Across the country as well, parades and parties, fireworks, definitely a moment, a very significant moment in history, and it's been a long time coming. Now, of course, a lot of it is symbolic, and it is hugely symbolic. It doesn't mean that the struggles are over. There are wide disparities here for black people, huge problems across the board. Fighting injustice is an ongoing project. Nobody has any illusions about that, but nevertheless, a day to celebrate. All right, Nirmal, thank you very much for your analysis and explanation of what Juneteenth is. And Straits Times U.S. Bureau Chief Nirmal Ghosh joining us there from Washington, D.C. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.